Welcome to the Canicuck Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Canicuck Institute podcast. This is Jason Lightfoot here with Keith Chancy, and we have just celebrated the 4th of July. Keith, what does it mean to you that we get to do that every year? Oh, man, Jason, that's a great question. You know, I, uh, man, I had the privilege the other night to go to a an event, and it was an event done for men and women that have sacrificed their limbs and literally their lives for our country, freedom, Independence Day. And as I was sitting there looking around the room, I was just overwhelmed with emotion, just thanking God for these that were there that had just literally, there were one guy had stepped on a landmine, Jason, and he was missing both his legs and an arm, and his face had been totally uh, reconstructed. And I'm looking at that, and I'm just going, wow, what a privilege I have in America to walk in freedom in a country because so many have done so much for me. You know what I did? I stood up when Lee Greenwood gave that song, man, uh, uh, USA. Man, God bless USA. I went, man, I was up and I was screaming. It was just, it was emotional because I, I just love that word freedom. You know, so yeah, as we celebrate the 4th of July, I just salute all these that have given their lives that I can have a free country. Mm, so freedom, we see in a political sense, we live in a free country, yeah. but then we could also talk about freedom in a spiritual sense oh. as Christians as followers of Christ, we've been given new life and set free. So how do those ideas correlate? Oh, man, Jason. You know, I, I was, I love that you asked that question because, you know, I, I, you know, I work out at Canicuck and I run what's called, you know, with the help of so many, we, we, we run the Canicuck Institute and we equip young men and women with biblical skills for a lifetime, lifetime of ministry. However, here's the issue. You know, kids come in, and I call them kids because I'm so old nowadays, you know, like Methuselah. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I see these young ones walking in, and I'm, I'm like, it looks like they're missing limbs, and, and, and their freedom has been removed because of something called sin. And, you know, Jason, when I see those coming in, and I can see it in their eyes, their countenance is low. I, as I talk to them, I hear their emotions. You know, there's, there's discouragement, doubt. Uh, fears, anxiety, worry. You know, Jason, I sit there and look at that and go, man, we have got to help them. As we've helped, you know, our fellow countrymen that have given their lives and their limbs for our country, I go, we have so much to help our people to know Jesus Christ. So I'm hearing you say that freedom requires effort. Like It just doesn't come to you. Like for our country, lots of people had to fight and die so Mm -hmm. we can have the freedom that we have. Mm -hmm. And in our spiritual walk, we will have to fight both individually and collectively so that we can live in the freedom we've been given. So how does that work? Well, you know, Jason, I was reading in in 1 Peter this morning. I love that book because you think about Peter. You know, if you think about anybody that that took it, you know, that really made some huge mistakes, um, he denied the Lord three times, and he walked away. And here's this guy that, when he was walking the water, he fell to look at Christ and starts to drown. Oh, you know, and you just go unbelievable. You couldn't even make it up. What he does, he cuts off the ear of Malchus, and and Jesus says no. But here's what happens. I love what First Peter one thirteen says. It says, "Gird your mind for action." And that same word, gird, is the same one that's used. Gird your loins with truth in Ephesians six, putting on the full armor, meaning we've got to put something on. 
We've got to protect ourselves. So he says, gird your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on, and here's that word, the grace. The grace of God. And when I think about that, Jason, it, that's an overwhelming word to me because I don't deserve salvation. I gird my minds. I have, I'm, I'm taking my minds captive. And I am putting something on. I am making sure that I'm not allowing the devil to captivate my thoughts and my attentions and take, and I'm so self-absorbed that I gird my minds for something, action. And I'm being sober in spirit, meaning don't be drunk on your thoughts. Be sober in your thoughts. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be revealed to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your, and he calls us out, in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called us to be holy in all our behavior. Be holy because I am holy. Jason, I like that because I need to be holy because that's what Christ says. I need to be holy because he is holy. And Peter says it well because he understood it. He had failed so badly. He was not in freedom. He was in bondage. And now look what he says. Gird your minds. He says, you got to protect that mind. So many people have stepped on landmines, so to speak. They've stepped on the landmine of sin and they've got limbs everywhere and their body is a complete disaster. And they don't feel freedom because they've been so bonded, so put in bondage because of their sin. And my thought today is we have got to make sure that we're helping people to be sober in spirit, fix their hope completely on the grace to be revealed to us in, in, in Christ, that God gives us grace. Why? Because he loves us. He died for us. He resurrected for us. He gives us all that we need, but are we willing to accept what he has for us? So what are some of the specific minefields that we need to avoid? Like, what are the things that are probably most frequent that you see in campers and in students at the Institute that we need to be prepared to guard our minds against? Jason, that's a loaded question, you know, because there's so many landmines that we step on in today's world. And depending on where you come from, it could be the landmine of anger, that you're angry at somebody that hurt you. You can't forgive them because they hurt you so deeply. It could be the landmine that you've felt alone. I'm, uh, it could be the landmine that I'm insecure. I've been comparing myself to so many people because I see myself not as good as others. Could be just the landmine of a sin, a particular sin that I have done. You know, maybe I've lied, stolen, cheated, and I've never really felt the freedom of that. And so when you look at all these sins, and once again, it's so big and broad in, in how we are affected by our sin or you know, I love what, and we looked about looked at this a couple of weeks ago in Hebrews 12, lay aside that encumbrance, that thing that weighs you down and the sin that so easily entangles us. There's the broad sins that we recognize of sin. And then there's those sins that we go, you know what? I was hurt by that person or, or something in my past. And so that is a big term that I go, you know, I look at each person individually, Jason, and I, I go, what is your story? How can I help you to walk in freedom? Because, you know, when you look at a, someone that's gone to war and they've had their leg blown off, man, you immediately weep for that person because you, you know what the problem is. The problem with us as Christians, we, don't, we can't see what's gone, what's missing. We don't know what's affected their mind. And so when I come alongside of people, I always ask, you know, Jason, how are you? 
you know, what are you going through? What's your pain, fear? And we always ask those questions. But then as they begin to share, I want to hear more of their story. And that story leads me to, you know, helping them to gird their minds for action, be sober in spirit, fixing their hope completely on the grace to be revealed to them in the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, becoming holy as he is holy. Mm. So there's kind of some really good steps there, practical steps, just in that one passage of 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15. Mm -hmm. So there's some good steps there that if you're out there hurting today, man, there's some great word here. So I, I like those. But Jason, you know, I, I was thinking about 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, and 6 also. And, and Paul says, just, and once again, there's that guy. Peter blew it. Paul blew it. He was Saul. Then he becomes Paul. He says, destroying speculation mm. and any lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Take every thought captive towards the obedience of Christ. So he says, guys, listen, we've got to destroy. We've got to put a, a, a so-called bomb in there that blows up. You know, I love fireworks. Man, I got a little, uh, my little three-year-old, uh, not mine, but my daughter's uh, three-year-old, Knox, he loves fireworks because they make the boom, boom, boom. We've got to boom, 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 destroy speculation, any lofty thing, anything that is destroying our minds. Is destroying us from walking in freedom. He says, take every thought captive towards the obedience of Christ. And so, you know, Jason, what I've got to do, my responsibility, me owning my responsibility of my sin, is I've got to take that thought. I've got to admit that that, that, that thought is wrong. I've got to take it captive. And I've got to get rid of it. I've got to destroy it. And, and you know, um, Proverbs 28, 13, you know, it's, it's really good in that scripture, because what that passage says is he who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses it and forsakes it will find freedom. And so when I look at that, I can't tell you how many people are concealing their sin, thinking if I just ignore it, it goes away. But sin never goes away until it's confessed and it's forsaken. God, will you forgive me? God says, I forgive you. Now, Jason, if I've hurt you, I go to Jason. I say, Jason, will you forgive me? See, God forgives me, but I've got to go to that person and ask them their forgiveness also, because in that, I've made it right with God. God, through the Holy Spirit, says, now go make it right with others so that nothing you could ever do uh, comes up and accuses you and you're guilty of something. So it's easy to look at a non-believer and recognize the lack of spiritual freedom there. But from even from my own life, any believer, as we keep walking, it's so easy to fall into going through the motions. And I will not even realize that I myself have ceased to live in freedom. So what steps can we can I take to be maybe checking up on yeah. the state of my soul to make sure that I actually am living in freedom? I may think I am and not actually be yeah. doing it. Well, you know, Jason, that's a great question because, you know, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law against those. You can do those as much as you want. So you can do that. That's kind of a check. Also, uh, Philippians 4.8 says whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely. If there's anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on those things. When my mind dwells on my sin and my unforgiveness, 
And as John 8, 44 says, that Satan is the liar, that the lie I believe is that I'm not in freedom and that I am not good. That's a lie. But I am created in the image of God. Yea, God. And I've taken that thought captive and I've girded my mind for action and I understand the grace of God and I walk in freedom. So in a moment where you catch yourself, you realize I'm I, this thought that I'm entertaining, I need to guard myself against mm. it. On a moment-by-moment basis, what steps do you take to actively renew and guard your mind in a moment? Mm, that's, oh man, great thought there. You know, one, First Corinthians, I have to realize, First Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. So those things that I'm thinking are, are common. Sin is common. And it's going to happen. You are going to have thoughts that come to your mind. At the moment that you see those things or your mind is affected by those things, that in itself is not sin. But when it becomes sin is when I begin to dwell on it. So I take that cult captive towards the obedience of Christ. And I destroy the speculation of that. It's gone. You know what I'm saying? So when I understand 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that temptation that I have, it's common. But God is faithful. And he will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able to endure, but he will provide me the way of escape. I love that. He gives me this, the escape clause. He allows me a tunnel to crawl out. I'm gone. See you guys. You know, I'm gone. But if I don't know what God has already done for me through his death and his burial and his resurrection, he's given me freedom and he's given me an escape, an ability. But I've got to trust that. And uh, if I don't understand the power that I have through Christ, I feel... I just can't do it. Mm. And I'm so weak against sin because I don't understand the power of God. Mm. I found for me in moments like that, I think of Joshua 1, 8, mm. meditating on the word. Yeah. And, and that meditation on the word is what empowers me to walk according to the things that it says. Yeah. Depending on, on what the struggle may be, I may need to find a different passage. I may be struggling with anxiety. I may be struggling with anger, different things that we've already talked about. I find that just picking a passage to memorize and think about over and over and over, somehow God's word has a power to rewire my brain independently, as long as I just keep thinking about it. And that seems to bolster me forward into living in in Christian freedom. You are so right. And you know what? Out there in the audience today, I guarantee there's people going, man, I'm just feeling like a failure. You know what, Chancey? I've lost an arm and leg, so to speak metaphorically. And, and, and I think that's exactly what we have to do. We have to understand that that temptation is not of God. Satan is our enemy. He hates us. And we've got to meditate. And even in our meditation, go before the Lord and pray. Say, God, give me the strength to overcome this. Now, give me a word that I can look at that gives me courage and let me meditate on it. And I like to think it's like a focal point. I always have a watch. And, and my watch, I love that it either shocks me or beeps on me every hour. And what that does is it reminds me, Chancy, what are you doing right now? And I, it's so amazing how within the hour I can lose focus of what I was, I was just fired up for Jesus one hour ago. I wish I could do it every second, every minute, but my, I think I'd get used to that shocking on my wrist or that buzz. But I do it every hour so that I always say, what is the focal point that's reminding me to go to the Word? So I memorize the Scripture and I have something on my heart. I memorize one Scripture a week. 
That means in the course of a year, I've memorized 52 scriptures, 52 arrows that are in my quiver that I can use at any time that I've used throughout the day, 8, 10, 12 times a day that I pulled my little card that I'm memorizing out and I do it the whole week, every hour, meditating on that scripture. And it changes me. It protects me. And I feel, you know what? I've got the armor of God on me. Yeah. Yay, God. That's amazing. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Oh. But we are praying that, that you will find this helpful, that we will all collectively work to guard our minds and dwell on the truth of Scripture so that we can live in the freedom that we have through Christ. We hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Canica Institute podcast.